What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Opening the Vault. I'm one of your hosts, Ben, and I am joined by my constant co-host, Sam. How's it going, Sam? I'm good. It's heating up where I am, so I'm trying to stay cool. Well, yeah, it's it's funny because it's cooling down where I am. Our, it's 100 degrees. <laughs> I think that's like 40-something, I think. Half and at 30, something like that. I don't know. I don't, I never understand Fahrenheit to Celsius personally, but that sounds like it is miserably hot. Uh, <laughs> and of course, we're joined by Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing today? Well, it's hot where I am because I'm here. You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I wish it was hot here. It's like, I think, 10 degrees Celsius here, okay, which is so it's, pretty cold. It's 38 Celsius is 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Oof. Yeah, that's really hot. That's like as hot as it ever gets in this province ever. Uh, but yeah, so that's just well, the start of cool. summer, baby. Oh jeez, yeah, I cannot imagine living in a place like you guys do. It Try going down hot. south, Ben. Uh, nope, oh. I I like being in the north. I like having my cold-ish times, except for when it snows, because then our, my sh- my city shuts down because it doesn't know how to deal with snow. But today. We get to talk about one of my favorite movies ever, especially as a kid. This was my favorite movie. We get to talk about Disney's Robin Hood, and I am so excited. But before we jump into that, let's talk, or actually, let's do the question at the end of this episode. So we will talk about some of the stats when it comes to this. Uh, Robin Hood was first released November 8th, 1973. The runtime was 83 minutes, and the budget was $5 million with a box office of $32 million. This, by all counts, was a Disney success at the box office, and with the critics, apparently. Uh, It got very good reviews and turned into a quick cult classic after the fact. So, this was such a big part of my childhood. we would watch this over and over again. Uh, we dressed up as characters from this. My brother went as uh, the uh, Fox version of Robin Hood for Halloween. I'm pretty sure I went as Little John one year. It was, uh, it was, yeah. This was our movie in the our household for sure. Um, did we you should ha- definitely put some pictures of that on Instagram. Oh God, I I wish we did. If I you could find them. Yeah, I would have to go back <laughs> through like old photo albums to see that stuff. That was like probably 20, 25 years ago. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, this was just the movie in our house. Uh, I have a couple facts that I can jump into here. Robin Hood was actually the result of a canned movie uh, called Reynard the Fox. Uh, Later on, uh, animator Ken Anderson eventually blended the idea of Robin Hood into the script. Uh reasoning that Robin Hood's outlaw status made him sort of Reynard-like. So they decided to take that kind of anti-hero look and bring it more into the hero light itself. And I'm so glad they did. I I really like that Robin Hood has come through so many different ways of um, media, and it's always a fun story, no matter which one you really watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other facts here. Um... The no- notable fight song is actually played during the chase sequence. I don't know if you guys know this, but when Lady Cluck uh, stabs the hippo guard in the ass with the arrow when they're inside the tent, uh, the yeah. On Wisconsin fight theme or fight song 
plays uh, from the University of Wisconsin. Yeah, that's like a very famous, that plays during a lot of American football movies. Um, It's a very, it's synonymous with like a football movie. Okay. It gets played a lot. Oh, that makes sense, though, because a lot during that scene, they, I was, like, kind of thinking, because, you know, when she's, like, running, and there's, like, showing her from her backside, it's, like, kind of like she's dodging tackles. Oh, yeah, she's definitely playing football. Like, she even yeah. has, yeah, like, a thing under her shows, arm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So good. Is it called, like, just, you guys just call it American football in Canada, right? Oh, we just call it football. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you call soccer? Soccer. Okay, so that's just, like, a everywhere other than North America thing. How about yes. that? Well, Mexico calls soccer football. Yeah. So it's like a can- Canada and America thing, I, like I think, mostly. Mexico we also have is like a little bit more like Central America. They, it's still mind. considered North America by, like, you know, its location. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we call it uh, football. Um, and... Yeah, like, we'll get into that later on, but that's such a great scene. Like, I have to say that this has probably my favorite fight scenes and chase scenes in all of this, at least this era of uh, Disney. And yes, I am including Ichabod Crane's uh, chase scene in that, uh, which we very highly praised when we watched that as well. Yeah, I do agree. I think the chase scenes in this one are superior. Uh And like, my only issue with this movie which i'll get into later is that is made marion's part and i think it was underwritten oh for Um, sure because i actually as a kid i was very into the actual myths of robin hood and i think i've consumed almost every possible media related to it like i had all these different like alternate history books and I especially like the ones where Robin Hood was actually like a girl who ran away and she lived in the forest. She ran away from like a marriage or something. It was like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I loved those books. And so I went and read the original like printings of the Robin Hood myth. Maid Marian was actually like a a big action star in this just as much as Robin and she met Robin um, after he came back from the Crusades to Nottingham they met during a duel like they dueled each other in disguise and that's how they found each other again oh that's badass and she doesn't even have a fight scene I'm sorry Brian I'm static oh sorry 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 okay there we go Uh, is that better now yeah um, yeah, and that, well, that's so awesome. And I like, I do like that they kind of brought some of that in, I guess, because he did come in disguise for some of it. Uh, so yeah. maybe there's some kind I of uh, like tie that, there. Because that's like a really big thing in the original stories. Is there's like a lot of stories of him just being in disguise. Mm-hmm. And I did like that they did almost, yeah, you know, as close as they could because it's talking animals. Um, they kept a very famous story of robin coming in disguise to like win an archery tournament for a kiss for maid marion mm-hmm. and that was really true to form that to a lot of like the early earliest forms of the myth is like he did get dressed up however i wish he wore more red because in the stories robin hood wears green all the time and what's the opposite of green is red so he dressed in all red including like red hose and shoes and a hat and he had like an eye patch in some stories and that was his disguise Um, yeah but literally all he did was change his clothes 
and not his face at all other than the eye patch sometimes so of course he was like easily found out yeah mm-hmm. i do think this disguise is better and, and i, I like that he uses like, two disguises too i love that they disguise themselves as the fortune tellers at the beginning because oh my god yeah we'll get into that we'll get into all that after i get through a couple more of these facts um so because uh there were some issues with production. They actually ran out of time and they were running out of money for some of this. So that's the reason why they used the rotoscoping uh, for the dance scenes, bringing in uh, dance uh, numbers from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the Aristocrats, uh, and as well as I believe one other uh, they brought in so that they didn't have to do as much work uh, because they were running really short on time. Uh, I believe it was also delayed at one point uh, as it was supposed to come out right after Aristocats uh, originally. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the characters, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but a couple of the characters were actually supposed to be different animals. Uh, and there were reasons why they got changed, but um, to start, the Sheriff of Nottingham was the first supposed to be a goat. But was decided during production that a wolf would have been way more villainous and a goat didn't really make sense anymore. Uh, and second is Friar Tuck. He was actually supposed to be a pig. Uh, until the animators and writers and stuff at Disney were like, hey, maybe we shouldn't show the clergy as a pig. They might take offense to that. <laughs> uh, I can see that. Yeah. But I, it took me a minute to figure out what he was. I, I didn't think it was super obvious because I was like between a mole and a badger for like the first couple scenes he was in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I know that during the like uh, the opening credits, it does say what each animal or which what each character is, which uh, is always helpful. But yeah, for sure. Like he doesn't quite look like a badger. He looks more like a mole, to be honest. Exactly. So that's why I was confused. Yeah. I know that it says he's a badger, but this doesn't look like a badger. Why is he gray then, you know? And I think that is all the facts I had leading up into the uh, discussion. But yeah, I think it's very interesting. Some of these uh, small changes that made and like how much different they could have been. Like we do see, I think, what the Firetex character was supposed to be later on during the dance scenes. Uh, we do see a pig who's kind of dancing along with the group. Uh, so we do get to see kind of what could have been, uh, which is always fun too. Uh, oh, actually one last one. So when they were deciding on how they were going to do Robin Hood, whether it was going to be Robin Hood and his Merry Men or that kind of thing, they actually decided that they wanted this to be more like a buddy comedy between uh, him and Little John. So more like uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid kind of uh, feel to it. So they yeah. decided to scrap the idea of having a full Merry Men and instead just doing the two, which I thought was a great idea. I think. Can I say one thing, it, though, that I think that would have improved it, though? A little change that could have improved it? They could have just made Little John's voice actor also do a British accent. You know? Yeah, but I think that Why they... Why do you have to have Thomas O'Malley, the alley cat? You know? Well, I think they kept it because it was the familiarity. Because uh, it was also Baloo, right? Uh, yeah. It's and it's the exact same model as Baloo. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I don't know, you're supposed to be in England. Yeah. In, they're farm animals, though. They're, yeah. they're animals. They're animals. <laughs> we gotta give I them a little credit. Do like a little bit. And also, it is kind of a thing where a lot of... Robin Hood adaptations 
not not everyone can do a British accent. Mm-hmm. That is pretty common in a lot of adaptations. And if you, one of my favorite adaptations is Men in Tights. Oh, so good. Yep. And there is a line in it, like talking shit about my favorite train wreck of a movie that was, uh, that is a Robin Hood adaptation. Um, I forget what it's called, but they had like Christian Slater in it. And, um, from Heathers? Yeah. Christian Slater played somewhat, uh, Will Scarlet. And then, um, Alan Rickman played the sheriff. Okay. And he just hammed it up the whole thing. So it's, (laughs) it's bad in a good way. And then Men in Tights is good in a great way, you know? Yes, of course. And so there's a line in Men in Tights that goes, unlike some Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. <laughs> because That's just amazing. your previous is when this other one came out and like half the characters, including Robin Hood, were Americans who did not do English accents at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the reason why even this Robin Hood uh, got it was because he was seen on stage because he was a Shakespearean actor and was brought in uh, because of uh, the Shakespearean nature of it all. So. Yeah. I thought that was a... I feel like you could definitely hear it. Yes. He did have, like, one of those. He sounds so eloquent and, like... Like, yeah, he sounds like he's from a Shakespearean uh, background, for sure. Yeah, and I'm wondering if they just wanted to, like, without actually saying it, allude to, like, Robin Hood was a noble, you know? Yeah, he Mm -hmm. sounds highborn. Yeah, Yeah. but they never addressed it, and so they wanted him to sound kind of, like, gentry. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially because uh, apparently during the production like cycle, they talked about putting this in the Deep South instead of in England. Uh, which... Is that why the rooster had that um, like a southern accent? I think so. I know that they decided not to because of... Uh, uh, what is that other song of the South? And how bad the reaction was to that. Uh, so they had decided to put it in yeah, England. But it wasn't because it was in the South. <laughs> no, no. But they're like, we don't want to associate with that at all. We're going to keep it yeah. in England. I, yeah. I Even so, I just think like, Robin Hood is something you need. Yeah. But yeah. I just think even so, Robin Hood is something you just need to have in England. Yeah. Because you were saying like King John, mm-hmm. you know. And the Crusades <laughs> and that kind of thing. So It's a very English story. Yeah, and what's really interesting is these actually, these stories are based on historical figures. Mm -hmm. Like Robin Hood actually did exist. Yeah. As a person who came back from the Crusades during when um, Prince John, like, took over the throne when his brother was off in the Crusades. And people didn't really like it. Uh, So there was, like, a whole smear campaign anyway. And then all the years later, turned into this huge mythos. And that's when the story started to get printed out. So mm. there's like people who, who, there's like medieval scholars who devoted their entire lifetimes to finding out the true story behind this. And you can Google them if you want. It's very interesting to have devoted your life to something that niche. Right. Um, not in a mean way. Like I think no, that's no, very great interesting. Way. And that's like, that's like real dedication. That exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just remember, like, in some European history classes that I've taken, we always like to have, like, a fun little chapter on the place, the countries we cover. And for England, that was it. Hmm. Uh, they were like, oh, yeah, you have you heard about medieval Europe? And 
Robin Hood? Well, it's actually based on an actual man named Robin of Loxley. Um, and so it was really interesting. I wish I found the actual quote of that, but I had a long day at work. <laughs> totally fair. All right. Well, let's jump right into the plot then. So the story starts with a narrative from Alan A. Dale, uh, who is the rooster who breaks the fourth wall. And I believe this is the first time in a animated Disney movie uh, that we've had that fourth wall actually broken by a character. But he talks directly to us and talks about Robin Hood, uh, as well as what's happening kind of overall in the world at this point. Uh, well, they do have a narrator in Sleeping Beauty. But do we meet him? I think there's like a hand that opens the book in the beginning, but like okay. he's talking to us. Okay. So there we go. Um, so he introduces Robin Hood and little John who live in Sherwood forest, uh, robbing from the rich and giving to the overtaxed town folks of Nottingham. We get a amazing song to start this, uh, and will always be like a, a great song to me. Where it's just talking, saying exactly what is happening on screen. Just Robin Hood and Little John, like, walking through the forest, right? So they're just enjoying their time. They get seen by the Sheriff McNaughton and his men, and they have to start running. Well, that's what the song starts to say. So it really is just a narration song. Uh, but is I, I think it's it... So good. Yeah, it really adds to the scene. Um, and one thing that we'll notice more is that the characters, except for, I think, the... Uh, narrator, no one actually sings. It is only the narrator whoever actually sings on s- screen, uh, which is a little bit different for a lot of our Disney properties so far. Usually it's a character singing their own songs. I like yeah. it though. Um, I think that it's probably, n- I don't know if it's intentional, but I like that it's just one guy, the bard, because that's what he calls himself. Mm-hmm. Um, bards would like sort of make a little musical of just themselves telling an interesting story so this is what this movie is sort of like a callback to that old way of storytelling is having a bard sing their little songs while they tell us mm-hmm. so i liked that oh me too um, i think it was a good diversion from what we uh have had and will have again in the disney movies yeah. i think it's a good narrative choice overall like it just it didn't feel jarring that oh there's a rooster mm-hmm. just singing i just liked it <laughs> it does come up in some later disney properties though yes yeah so meanwhile prince john and his counselor sir hiss arrive in nottingham and here we learn that uh it's actually hiss who hypnotized prince john to or sorry uh, King Richard to go off to the Crusades. Um, I want to say, as a kid, I never noticed this part, but as an adult, I'm like, that's actually really interesting. Like, that he basically forced his brother to go on a crusade, which were known to be I think that's a very interesting... Yeah, I think it's a very interesting way to spin um, hundreds of years of colonization and a holy war for kids... I get that this is a kids movie and that's they probably like yeah. couldn't get into like Catholicism and the idea that you have to spread it everywhere and the concept of a holy war. 
Yeah, it's a little complicated. Yeah, and it, it feels yeah, very so throwaway it, too, right? It's just like, okay, he, so here's what's happening. This is why this is happening. Let's move on. Yeah, so I I get why they did it, and I think it's a good decision because, like, how do you even how do you bring that up in a kids' <laughs> right? And in this version of Robin Hood, it's not as necessary to explain the whole thing. You just need to know that King Richard is off. And to the Crusades, you know. Yeah, and then yeah, and so it was I like uh, that they did that. and it was the prince that did it, right? So, it, like, it kind of shows right off the fact it's like, yes, I forced my way into becoming king, de facto king, I guess, and I get to control Regent. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the prince is greedy and immature, of course, and it sucks his thumb because really he's portrayed as a child. Even the way that he is as a lion, he's portrayed as a more adolescent lion because he doesn't have like a mane or anything like that, as we'll see later when uh, Richard comes back. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys noticed this. So obviously they made it so like the crown didn't fit on his head. But all of his clothes, too, like, you can tell they weren't, they're not his, Mm because none of them actually properly fit him. Yeah. Like, everything's a little too big on him. And I think that's actually a really cute decision. I love the little details. Yes. And actually, little details is something I will get to in just a moment, uh, too, because I've noticed some very little details that made me uh, scratch my head a bit. But... We have Robin Hood and Little John uh, see the carriage come along, and Robin, of course, sees the amount of money that would be there and wants to rob it. Well, Little John takes objection to that, saying there's laws against robbing uh, royalty. And I was like, eh, I think there's laws about re- robbing anyone there, Little John, so uh, <laughs> maybe don't like highball. Uh, with uh, Robin there and just get on with it. So they decide to disguise themselves as fortune tellers and go in and rob the prince blind. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, this is such a great scene, though, from the dressing up, like, especially like at that period, like dressing up in women's clothing, going in, uh, the way that they steal certain things, like how he kisses the rings and steals the gems out of them. I love that. Uh, we also see that he does not treat Kiss well. And Hiss is like really on top of things. Like he knows what is up all the time. But the prince just does not listen to his own advisor uh, because he thinks, well, I'm king now, so everyone just needs to bow down to me. So we get a, another chase scene here. Uh, I love that he, when he puts like the bags of money into. Uh, his shirt and like the uh the rhinos are checking him out because he has like these very inflated breasts because of the gold and stuff i thought that was a very very fun moment um from here we move forward on to the sheriff who is wandering through the town of nottingham and excessively taxing everybody uh, from i think the first person he goes up to is the blacksmith uh, so we get to see the blacksmith who was just given some money by Friar Tuck and is instantly taken away by uh, the mean sheriff of Nottingham. In an uh, awful way, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, like, hitting his, like, broken leg. Like, that was brutal. Uh, yeah, I was like, whoa. Uh, but also, that is, like, a really bad place to hide something that's going to make noise when you walk. Yeah. Um, 
So they they literally could have hidden it in the rafters, you know? Yeah, or like um, just in a bunch of hay. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> it was ill-conceived, but uh, no. maybe they had like had their place tossed before. Yeah. Uh, from here, we move on and we get a very familiar song that is not in any of the soundtracks is Happy Birthday at the Family of the Rabbits. Now, interesting fact here is that Warner Brothers actually owned, and I think still technically does own the rights to the song Happy Birthday. And Disney actually paid them... Really? Yep. Uh, Disney paid them $1,500 at the time to be able to use it in five, like, use it five times. Um because Warner had sued people, they had gotten royalties from this, like upwards of $2 million a year in royalties for people using Happy Birthday in media. Wait, it's really not in the public domain? It is, I, I believe it is now, and it was argued back then it was too, uh, but Disney wanted to undercut any kind of legislation, or, sorry, legal uh, fees and stuff that would go through litigation, uh, and just said, we'll pay you $1,500 and we can use this in five different uh, things in $1, media. $1,500 to Disney isn't that big of a deal? No, not at no. all. Um, Should we count and see if they use them in animated movies other than this one? So we know this was one. I believe it would probably be shorter things or like on stage uh, ones. But I think if going forward, we should always like keep an eye out to see if we hear a happy birthday in a uh, in a property. Um, Let's make note of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually I was very surprised. I thought Disney owned happy birthday, but it actually is uh, Warner Brothers. I thought Disney owned everything. Yeah, right. Well, they do now. Um, here, uh, the rabbits give the uh, newly seven-year-old rabbit, I can't remember his name, uh, Skippy, um, a single gold coin, which, of course, Sheriff of Nottingham, like he does, comes in and steals that coin away from that kid, uh, trying to act like he's the good guy in all of this. Oh, what, a, what a dick. Like... Thinking back yeah, of this, every annoying. moment, yeah, every moment, I'm like, I hate smugness. Yes, there, it, that's what it is. It's just like that pure hatred for that character. I'm like, man, you're gonna get yours. You, I, I just can't wait. Yeah, to they see really that. do literally nothing to redeem him or make him likable. No. They literally have him taking things from a baby. Yes, you know, <laughs> and just so you know, from a blind man. Because yeah. uh, shortly after this, he uses that coin to grab two more coins from uh, a blind beggar's cup, which turns out to be Robin Hood coming in here uh, and decides to give Skippy his very own birthday present of a new his own hat and a bow and arrow. Maybe not the best thing to give to a seven-year-old uh, since he puts the arrow into the bow right away and draws it back in the middle of the house with all his little sisters. And I thought that was a, I, I was like, oh my god, you're gonna kill somebody here. <laughs> Maybe don't give give a kid a weapon in the middle of a, a thing with a bunch of kids with uh, ammo. Maybe not the best thing to do. So here's the thing: the number one rule of bow and arrow safety is always act like it can go off. Mm -hmm. Like you never knock an arrow or pull back the string unless you are going to shoot it. You mm -hmm. don't do that to show off, and you like don't even want to hold the arrow and the bow at the same time, like in the same hand, because that can also damage it. But I'm, I'm just saying. This, yeah. Why did he give him one yeah. arrow too? Well, and then maybe didn't have every more. time. Yeah. 
I, I just want to say, like, every time I've been given a weapon for, like, if I want to train with it, because, yes, I'm from Texas, I know how to shoot a gun, you know, but you always assume a weapon is loaded. You yeah. always assume that it can hurt someone, so you never lift an arrow that you're not planning on shooting right that second. You never, like, test out an, something like that. You never raise a gun mm-hmm. um, unless you do that and you never have your finger on the trigger you know yeah yeah like, uh, i also i don't support gun ownership <laughs> fair enough um so skippy and his friends decide they want to go test out this bow um and they run off and skippy goes in and shoots the arrow too high just like his sister said he was going to and he goes into the grounds of nottingham castle very very lucky that he didn't actually hit maid marion and uh her lady in waiting yeah. uh, lady. yes yes um but he decides to sneak in to try and get his arrow back while Maid Marian and Lady Cluck are playing badminton. It looked like badminton. Uh, though I did, I'm not sure it actually had a net, so I was a little confused at what they were actually doing. But uh, No, I think they had a net, yeah. Okay, yeah. So the shuttlecock goes down right next to the arrow and Maid Marian comes face to face with Skippy, who is instantly terrified that she's going to throw him in jail or kill him or give him to Prince John. And this was, I think, one of my favorite moments in this movie is because it's so wholesome that they like they start playing and they start like uh, Lady Cluck is like super into it and like acts as the prince and they have like a sword fight and everything. I'm like, that is such like a wholesome moment. Yeah, I love when people, like, play along with kids, because I love how they immediately go, oh, you must be Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cute. Uh, So the other kids come in. uh, Sorry. Yeah, and then uh, Maid Marian uh, embarrasses Skippy, of course, by after he pretends to kill Lady Cluck, who is acting as Prince, uh, she takes him into, quote-unquote, Sherlock uh, Forest and gives him a kiss and it's really cute. And the rest of the kids, of course, laugh. And uh, But in this, they also talk about how Robin Hood and Maid Marian were actually childhood sweethearts. Uh, and they go into kind of like what kids would say. Like, oh, are you guys in love? Have you kissed? Are you guys going to have kids? And all that. And we get kind of a sad moment because you can see on her face like how much she, one misses him. But also uh, doesn't know if he still loves her. Or even yes. remembers her. Or remembers her, yeah. And then I do like, um, like mutual pining. I love that in a story. I love so that. I that's a cute thing of like, they're both unsure, but they don't have to be because they mm-hmm. both like think the same way about the other. And as soon as they see each other in person, it's like they don't worry about that anymore. And I think that's so cute. Yeah. Um, and then just by the way, it's Sherwood Forest. Not Sherwood, Sherlock. sorry. Yes, Sherwood Forest. Um, one thing I want to talk about in this scene, though, is that they come into this courtyard and he's carrying a bow. One, in about a span of a minute and a half, the color of his shirt and the color of the hat change about eight times. Into It goes from yellow mm-hmm. to brown to green to like a weird orangey yellow brown like it changes consistently <laughs> and it's like it's not because of shadows either because a lot of times he's just in the open and it has different coloring 
Um, what a good disguise. It changes. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. But I also saw that and I was like, maybe they were planning something different with the background. Mm-hmm. And they just never changed the coloring back. Because I know it's like back oh, then. So when it's like all hand done, so they had to have people who drew the lines. And then they had like a team of women who painted in through the mm-hmm. lines and were the colorists. So maybe there was a breakdown in communication in that one scene. And maybe if they saw the mistake, they didn't want to redo it because, you know, funding. That's why they had to do a lot of the... Yeah, it's expensive to, like, go back for that, I bet. Yeah. But one other thing I'm not sure if you guys noticed is that he came in with a bow, and right before they start the pretend fight scene, suddenly he has a sword that he never had before. He pulls out of a belt, and the bow disappears. (laughs) (laughs) The bow disappears. I'm like, what? Did the bow just turn into a sword? Like, is it, like, that cool? Uh, it's yeah, a little detail, but very like, yeah. And he could have used the bow as like a pretend sword, you know. Mm-hmm. It is also wooden. Yep. Like yeah. Lucky is also using like a badminton, um, a racket thingy. Yeah. What's what's the word? I think that it's a yeah. badminton racket. Yeah. Racket. Yeah. So she uses that as a sword. Why can't he use his bow? <laughs> yeah. So I was so confused. I was like, where did that come from? And I even like rewinded to see if he came in with the sword. And I was like, nope, that just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually, there's quite a few of these consistency things uh, we'll get to a little bit later. But I thought it was really funny. And I was like, something I had never really noticed or even thought about before uh, looking at that through like, kind of an analytical sense. Yeah, I think with this podcast, it makes us watch these movies extra closely. Yeah. Uh, So now we move over where Robin Hood is cooking some soup, and Little John in his apron is doing all the laundry. uh, And they're talking about how he's still in love with Maid Marian. uh, And that he doesn't think that he deserves to be with her because he's an outlaw and that uh, she's made Marion uh, or if she even remembers him because they were kids uh, and little John's like just go up and ask her to marry you like just just do it man it's, it's fine it'll be fine uh, of course he says it's not possible until our good friend Friar Tuck shows up uh, to report that Prince John is hosting an archery tournament with the main prize a kiss from Maid Marion and of course, of course, Robin is going to disguise himself and go and shoot some arrows because he is the best archer ever. From here, yeah, like I said, he disguises himself as a stork. This is such a great costume. It doesn't make sense for size or anything, but it's such a great costume. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's actually considering like their whole animated world. It's actually a really good disguise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, however we might never know because there's actually only two birds in the whole movie is Cluck and Alan Adale. There and actually is are... a third. Oh, where? Uh, so when later on, when they escape from the prison, we actually see a stork. Okay. Yeah. There's actually a stork who's oh. running away with a bag of money. Oh. <laughs> uh, very random thing. Again, like something I just saw randomly. I was like, Oh, Okay, so there are there is more to it. So, like, does the disguise work in this world? Ish. So the Maybe other stork looks. Yeah, it looks a little different, but yeah, it it does uh it does work out uh pretty well. Um, 
At least I think so. Well, I think, yeah, maybe we should do like a an Instagram poll and like do a side by side. Do a like side by side. Yeah, yeah, that'd be like fun. The disguise and the dork. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, I'll write it down to see if it's so pretty. And while he is dressed up like the stork, little John, of course, has to dress up as well and dresses as the mar- Marquis as oh, the Duke of Chutney uh, to get close to little John. And he looks he does not fit into his clothing at all, which makes me think he probably just stole from like Prince John's house at some point. Yeah, uh, I bet that's like from their initial raid. You mm-hmm. know? Oh, yeah. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Because they even stole his clothing at that point. Uh, yeah, and the, he's got a fake mustache, which... And a monocle. You know, I feel like... the uh, I feel like Prince John would have a fake mustache to look grown up. Yeah, probably. Uh, I love the monocle, they, though. That really makes a man. Did they ever, like, allude to how old Prince John was, though? I know uh, it's, like, kind of like he's obviously younger than King Richard because, you know... King Richard's king, but they never. I think he was always just supposed to be shown as younger and more feeble. I uh, thought it was just more like he's just an immature. Let's see. Um... No, I I don't think I saw anything. I don't think they ever really mentioned how old he actually is, but. Um... Yeah, but he is like the second born, so mm-hmm. obviously we know he's younger than that. And then I think that was some of the initial critiques of the actual Prince John who ascended, um, was that he was fairly young. Mm-hmm. And oh. part of this beer campaign was that he was like weak minded. Yeah. Uh, so his, uh, he said. I was to this in the movie. Like they definitely make a caricature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was seen as very like spiteful and unholy while uh, King Richard at the time was raised into like, you know, it, he was fight. They at the time perceived it as like he is fighting for their God. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, he's spreading the word. So he was like deified. And it's like impossible to live up to that, especially if you're perceived as taking the throne from your brother. Mm hmm. Well, he did take the... He attempted to. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, uh, we get some good scenes with uh, Hiss, uh, who knows that something is up. Like, he knows something's not on the up and up, and he goes as far as going into a balloon and turning himself into a, a de facto little airship that goes around, which I thought was really cute. Um, yeah. And the archery tournament starts. Uh of course, Robin Hood's going to be amazing at it. And because he's so good, Prince John starts to recognize uh, that the stork is actually Robin Hood. So, like you said, how Robin wasn't always great at his disguises, that kind of plays into this, I think. Uh, well, I think he just stared a little too long at Maid Marian. Because, mm. um, yeah, like, immediately it she knew it was Robin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um,. And then he just proved it by winning the contest as well. Yeah, especially the way that he won it by shooting an arrow that was knocked upwards into a perfect bullseye that knocked out the other, uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham's arrow. Like, you can't do something like that and not be seen as Robin Hood. 
at that point. And that's how he truly gave away his cover in the original story, too, is he um, split the arrow in in between because everyone thought he would never win because the guy who went before him in the contest did get the bullseye in the original story. And instead of the sabotage, because that's literally, you can't do that. No. Um, (laughs) He just, like, split the arrow in two. And I watched a Mythbusters on it once, and they did say that's possible. It, it is. I've seen, uh, like, I used to go to archery, uh, there used to be, like, not archery bars, but archery places here, uh, and they had a couple of split arrows. Whenever someone split them, they would, like, put them in a case and put them on the wall. It's possible because Merida. What? I, what? You cut out. Oh, it's possible because Merida and Brave. Oh. Yeah. oh. Uh, amazing. I can't wait to get that one. Yeah, uh, that was a good movie. So Prince John recognizes and exposes Robin after uh, he c- comes up to win and sentences him to death, even though Mar- Marion protests. And it it almost is a redeeming moment for Prince John. Like, so close when he's like, I'm not cold-hearted. I believe in young love. And then it's just like instant, but he's a betrayer to the crown. He needs to die. And you're like, why you gotta be a de- dick like that, man? Like, why you gotta like give her like a second of hope in there and then just like say, nope, dead. Yeah. Now, this didn't take very long to get overturned because little John is behind the curtain with a knife and is threatening him, uh, threatening to kill him if he doesn't let Robin go. Um... And this results in a fight uh, and a great chase scene. This has got to be one of my favorite points in this entire movie. Um, the Between the music and everything that's happening and all the mix between comedy and seriousness of it all is just so amazing. Yeah, I just, I really like the whole scene. And my only problem is... Um, sorry, can you see my name wasn't lighting up when I was talking. Oh, you're good. No, you're good. No, we can hear you. So, my only problem with the scene, because I like it as is, but, so I, in my notes I wrote Chekhov's chicken. Um, They set up that Lady Cluck can fight, and they show that Maid Marian like, kicks a couple people over. She has to get Robin to rescue her a couple times during the fight. Um, But I guess, you know, they want to play into whole, like, rescue the lady fair. Uh, but they set up the chicken can fight and then in the climactic battle she's just like not there and neither is Marion. like where are these two important characters that we spent like over half the movie with at this point yeah and then when they're going to rescue everyone they could have had like a 10 second scene where they try to go with him and he goes no please watch such and such people um watch over such and such people or like i can't have yeah. you in danger like like that but no they just disappear until they marry her off sorry spoilers (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i just i wasn't a fan of Chekhov's chicken you can't set up a chicken can fight and then not have and then not use them yeah yeah um which by the way is like chicken run a disney movie no no it's dreamworks dreamworks yeah it's along the same as like wallace and gromit i do like chicken run though great great movie though Definitely suggest that one if you haven't seen it before. Yeah, I will say, not a lot of people know the movie that Chicken Run is based on. Oh. Huh. Do you guys know? No. No. 
Okay, so it's based on this movie from the 50s called The Great Escape. Oh, that's and a great movie. And The Great movie. Escape was a group of male, uh, of, not male, well, they are men, but they are POWs in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. And The Great Escape is about them trying to um, have the most people broken out of uh, the prison camp at one time. And it is actually, it's a very, very good movie. It's a great movie. Um, definitely holds up. And it is just very, very sad and bittersweet yeah. at the end. Um, and uh, so do bring tissues with you, but it is a, a very good movie and you'll like seeing it. But it's, I highly recommend watching the two of them back to back because they literally like Chicken Run references it directly. And like the entire storyline of the chickens escaping is... Like, they take um, scenes and recreate them shot for shot in Chicken Run. Oh, that's amazing. I should go back and watch that. It's a great movie. I haven't watched it in years. I I, I should watch it, too. Yeah. Um, watch them back to back. You'll, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so from here, we run off back to the forest where Robin and Maid Marion share a very romantic point until... Of course, the friar comes in and interrupts them right before they kiss uh, and starts uh, basically a giant party in the woods, uh, singing the song, The Phoning King of England. Now, this is... So I said before, they don't sing their own songs. This was actually sung by everybody um, and is referenced later as well. But this felt less like a like a song for the audience, but more a song because they were partying and it would have made sense for anyone else to sing it. Uh, but it it's such a fun song and it's such a fun scene and this is also where we get the rotoscoping where we bring in the dance scenes from things like the Aristocats and Snow White mm-hmm. and you can see very clearly that it's brought one for one uh, after a good night of partying and tuckering them out uh, the phony king of England song is sung by uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham and Hiss, which, of course, Prince John hears and decides to start locking people up and increasing taxes and just making it miserable for everybody in the town. And I I, I, I kind of get part of it. Like, they disrespected him and they knew that they were disrespecting him and they knew that this kind of thing would happen. Like, that couldn't go unpunished based yeah, on what I else he's done. Catchy song, but you can't sing the diss track in front of your mentally unstable boss. Yes, be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. Um, here, uh, we also get uh, the sheriff visiting Friar Tuck at the church, who steals the last coin from the poor box, uh, which leads Friar Tuck to belly-bouncing uh, the sheriff out of the church and onto the street uh, and is then arrested for treason. Now, at this point in history, you might know a little bit more because you're talking about some of this stuff. It would have been really bad form to arrest someone from the church, wouldn't it? Yeah, they wouldn't really do that. And then they obviously leave it out of this because they want to make the church look good at this point in history when the movie was made, but Robin almost exclusively steals from like high um higher up clergy and nobility because nobility could buy titles of clergy and so like 
their first son would inherit the title of Lord, um, or, you know, he would inherit like the ancestral title. Then the second son, he would get um, bought a very comfy position in the church. And mm-hmm. so they would take all the aristocratic stuff. And again, so they wouldn't use the money they had for charity. Uh, and that's why they also did have Friar Tuck in the original stories. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't against religion. It was against corruption in religion. Um, and I don't think you can introduce that in a kid's movie. No. Very easy. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't do that. And you definitely wouldn't execute yeah and that's alluded to here too like i think it's hiss that says uh you can't execute a clergy or uh someone. yeah oh. you can't do yeah. that a bad publicity and b like there's laws against it at that point yeah. i think the church was in charge of everything at that time yeah basically yeah and um a big thing was like so the king is ordained by god that's also why he was able to like have unquestioned Mm -hmm. and that's also why prince john had such bad publicity because there's like he's still alive he's ordained by god he's going to do a fight our holy war and you're just here raising taxes to go pay for the holy war yeah it's not your divine right to be yes and that's yeah so uh, yeah when that was said i was like wow i i don't I mean, as a kid, you don't think about that kind of stuff, too. But I'm like, man, like, yeah, that would have been terrible for him to arrest a clergy person and then, like, try and execute them. Even if it, they would never have done it, like, yeah. it's still, like, the and idea of it. At the time, the one way to get out of um, execution was to renounce all your sins and go into uh, the church as a novice. Mm-hmm. That was the only way. Um that's how sometimes women who were like accused of witchcraft could get out of it. They would, you know, go in conference with the abbess um, and like have a conversation. They could recommend like, yeah, she seems um, like she's repenting for her sins and she wants to come to the church. Um, so there's literally no way they would kill Friar Tuck. Yeah. So uh, Robin Hood dresses back up as the... Uh, blind beggar and comes along and of course flatters uh the sheriff of nottingham into getting to get information about what's happening and they learn from the two or the one inept guard i think his name is nutsy and yeah he finds out that they're going to execute friar tuck well going back to little john who completely uh knows exactly what what they're doing and what they're trying to do Robin Hood, on the other hand, decides to act rashly and try and go save him by sneaking into the castle. And Little John, being the the straight-up boss that he is, comes along to help his best friend, even if it might lead to his own death. Um, This is a great romance, yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like I said, like, buddy cop kind of movie. I guess buddy criminal kind of movie. (laughs) For sure. Um... So Robin goes up to the castle or Prince John's bedroom while um, Little John goes to the prison to start freeing people. Uh, We also get a great song here, uh, and that's Every Town. And it's so good. Or not in Nottingham. Sorry, that's what it's called. It's such a good song. Like, it just, it hits home for sure. And it like, it just hits you right in the feels. 
Like, it's just like, yeah, our town used to be, like, thriving, and now, like, look at, like, if you want to do, like, if you want to be, feel good, like, not in Nottingham. Like, it's just not going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Little John goes down and uh, unlocks, or gets the prisoners out, uh, while uh, Robin Hood steals gold from it and they create a pulley system and give gold to all the prisoners as they're leaving like hey uh well what do they call it a a tax rebate <laughs> Tuck calls it and i was like that's great that's a that's a great thing to put in there uh from here uh hiss awakens as the gold is going down and tries to stop them rousing the castle and rousing uh the prince and chaos ensues as robins and the others try to escape um they get everyone out the door except for skippy's little sister who is uh just a little bit too far behind so robin goes back to save her and we get yet another great chase and fight scene and like i don't think i like this one as much as the last one but it's still such a great scene uh with the fire and everything and i think it probably was part of the inspiration towards uh Beauty and the Beast end scene. It has that same I kind of feel. So. I really? feel that too, but I will say, so I don't, th- I agree. I don't think it's as good of a fight. Like, I don't think it's as chore- well choreographed as the other one that we like so much when Robin's discovered. However, I do appreciate the drama. They do mm-hmm. add the flames, which I think sort of negates that. And so it becomes just as good <laughs> in my eyes, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and after the castle is ablaze, uh, just to get away, Robin jumps off of the toppest tower into the moat, where they shoot arrows down at him, and his the bubbles stop, and his hat comes up with an arrow in it, and then sinks. And uh, Skippy and Little John are on the side of the moat, and just see this happening and break down. And... They, I'm surprised with how long they let you sit with this. Like, it was a good 30 or 45 seconds of, like, sitting with Robin could have just died. Um, with very, like, no indication that he was alive, right? Like, that's pretty dark for this kind of movie. I mean, for an adult, they'd understand, but for a kid, you know... Like, I mean, the adult will understand that it's Disney, it'll have a happy ending, but, you know, for a kid... Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a dark, dark piece, and they let you sit on it. Like, usually when someone, quote-unquote, dies in Disney, they don't let you sit on it very long. They kind of pop back up pretty fast. Uh, yeah, from... I do like that they kind of let you sit in it, though. I think oh, yeah. Good I think it's very impactful that they let you do that, because it, it shows you that it's, like, kind of a... It's, like, a real moment, right? It's a real moment of what that's could happen, suspense. right? Uh, if you, if you are, if you decide to do criminal things, even for the good reason, bad things can happen, right? And that's kind of the reality of, uh, life. And it really lets you stew in that for a second until he, you see a little reed coming through towards the mouth and, of course, pup, pups, Robin, all good to go. Uh, and it's a very touching little reunion here. Uh... We then, I think they say uh, one last line to the prince, uh, a pox on the phony king of England, and they run off into the forest as he decides to suck his thumb. <laughs> of course he does. 
Um, from here, I think we Can jump into the... Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just thinking, does anyone think it's kind of weird that... So they have Prince John suck his thumb and, like, wail and cry for his mom. Do you think it's weird that we never see that? Because even um, King Richard has a cameo at the end. So... <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if yeah. she was alive at this point. Because wouldn't she be regent Yeah, if he was so incompetent and Richard was off to war? Yeah, so I kind of you figured that the mother was not... passed away. Oh, yeah. But also, if she was alive, that's... Uh, a queen regent would only happen if you were underage. And oh. since King Richard was alive and still king, then no one should have been on the throne in his stead. Mm. Oh, okay. He would have less like, advisors and stuff that he could in contact with. Mm-hmm. And if he died, then Prince John would immediately get the throne because he was next in line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, unless... Well, we know this, but if King Richard had a son, then that would go to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so later, uh, we come out later, uh, King Richard returns to England and sentences Prince John, Hiss, and the Sheriff to hard labor at the ro- in the Royal Rock Pile. He, we get a, uh, just a quick drive-by of uh, Pardoned on Robin Hood's wanted poster, and we get to see the marriage to Maid Marian, where they get into the fancy cart and Skippy decides to come along and I was a little confused why they his his mom let a seven year old just run off with these uh these other people instead of staying home. But maybe that was a thing. <laughs> basically, you know he's an adult now. I thought it was kind of a cute ending, but I will say one thing I noticed with the marriage scene, and I hope I read by saying this. So Marion has a beautiful white dress. Oh, you're cutting out a bit. Or with a white shirt underneath. Oh, so, Sam, you're cutting out a bit. Can you repeat that again? So he was wearing everything from before, yeah. but with a white shirt. Yeah. Okay. So, by that logic, the entire movie, Robin Hood was in a tank top and short shorts. Yes. <laughs> Hot. Good look. But yeah, like, and that's the end. Like, they get married. We get a really, we get, we get a cute scene, uh, with the, oh, uh, with the buzzard who, who is not good with his bow, and he shoots the bow off and it hits the back of the cart. And I'm like, oh my god, that guy is definitely going to hard labor too. I mean, back to Sam's point though. Sorry to yep, go, ahead. go off, but I just want to reply to Sam's point. That make that's so understandable if he's like in a tank top and short shorts. Why so many people had like childhood crushes on Robin Hood. Mm. But yeah, I will say like they also like definitely established with the clothes in the movie. Oh. Uh, you're cutting out again. I think you it might be something with the internet. Uh, okay. Do you want to? Report- you guys are both cutting out for me. You guys have been cutting out a lot. Oh, weird. So how about now? Yeah, you're good. Now. Yeah, you're fine. Is it just Discord in general? Probably. Discord has a lot of issues. Sorry, everybody. They had an update. They said they hit a one million subscribers on YouTube. Oh. Good for them. Well, uh, so as I was saying, um, it's established in the movie that uh, the proper way to wear a tunic is over a shirt. And that's how you would wear it anyway. 
a tunic mm-hmm. is like outerwear and you have like all these under things and so like in the medieval era and like in representations of it everyone's like oh everyone so, was so like dirty and gross because they have the one set of clothes when in reality yeah they have the one set of outer garments but they have a lot of set of garments and they wear like a lot of them where they're basically wearing two outfits. So one yeah. stays clean of like sweat and everything. So they don't actually smell that much. That's why getting your linens really white was a, such a thing back then. Yeah. It showed that like you didn't sweat in that mu- them that much. So then you must have been. You, or that you take working. really good care of it. Yeah. Or you have something, someone washing them for you too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this man is literally just going around in the forest in like some jean short shorts that he cut off <laughs> and a white like <laughs> um, but that's the like image in my head is like some hillbilly forest <laughs> and a tank top Loves uh, it. amazing yeah and that is the end of the movie I so I didn't mention all of the times that there were some animation issues, but uh, one thing, if you look at uh, Prince John's hands during it, his rings will appear and disappear randomly throughout it, as well as the amount of rings he has, and if they have gems or not in them. Yeah, like during the uh, fortune teller thing, I remember one thing, because Robin Hood took one ring off, and then little John took off the jewels from the from the rings on the other hand but on the hand where robin hood took his ring off it was there the ring was still there just the jewel was missing yeah and at the archery contest uh he has three rings on one hand then the uh a ruby ring on his other when Hiss talks to him the ruby disappears when he's like batting him away then when he comes down it has three rings on both hands (laughs) Like, oh. it was very inconsistent with that, and I bet that was just, like, different animators doing things and then not checking back. That would be my assumption. Yeah, I bet it was, like, they just did it so fast and all at once, and there just wasn't enough communication. Yeah. To say I that's the colorist issue, too. Mm-hmm. Probably. And it's such a, it's a very nitpicky detail, but it was there, and I was like, oh, that's kind of odd. And I looked through it, like, even when he was in his bed, he had all the rings on, and then when he gets pulled out of bed in the final chase scene, they're all gone, and he has no more rings for the rest of the movie. I mean, it is nitpicky, but consistency does make a movie. It does. And I don't think I would have noticed that if I wasn't, like, looking really deeply or haven't seen this movie a billion times and uh, didn't really need to know the story again, but looking for those kind of things. Uh, but I don't think the average user would have seen a lot of that but yeah for sure consistency is part of it and i think because they were delayed and uh they were trying to like rush through some of this i bet that's part of it too that they were just trying to get out the door yeah no quality control yeah awesome uh is there anything else you guys want to talk about on this before we start moving to our next section no, I'm ready for the question of the day. I think we'll start with the rankings and then we'll do the question uh, before oh, yeah, the yeah. outro. So, if you didn't know, on opening the vault, each time we rank a bunch of different things, including the villain, the movie, the main characters, and the music. Um, today we will start with the villain. So, whew, it's this list is getting long, guys. So, in number one, we have the Horn King. In number two, we have Maleficent. Three is the Coachman. Four, the Red Queen. Five, the Nazis. Six, Hook. Seven, Cruella de Vil. 
8. Shere Khan, 9. Lady Tremaine and the Evil Stepsisters, 10. The Evil Stepmother, 11. Madame Mim, 12. Headless Horseman, The Weasels and the Bartender from Ichabob Crane and Mr. Toad, uh, 13. The Crappy Hunters, 14. Edgar from the Aristocats, 15. Aunt Sarah from Lady and the Tramp, and 16. The Ringmaster and the Elephant Snoots. Now, I think for this one, we should lump together both Prince John and Prince John, Hiss, and the Sheriff of Nottingham, because they were really the, the villains of this. Um, I will say those two are more like henchmen for him. Yeah. So I would say why that... Why don't we just do Prince John? I was going to say the Sheriff of Nottingham was much more of an intimidating, villainous cre- kind of character than uh, Prince John, and I think pushed a lot more of the kind of antagonist uh, but narrative. he was caring about those actions in prince john's name true okay so let's yeah. go with prince john then so yeah today let's start with you ryan if you were to put prince john somewhere on this list where would you start the mat i'd put him under the evil stepmother madame mim he's annoying and he's not even a good villain think yes uh what about yeah. you sam I actually was planning on putting him higher um, above Hook under the Nazis because, let's just say, he's not just ruining the lives of our heroes. Um, And here's the thing. He was a good villain because he is our He's a completely inept politician who just wants power and money. He's hoarding wealth. And as you can see from all the times that we're seeing, like, sort of the peasantry houses, we only see incredibly poor people so there's bad infrastructure and he's not putting any of these huge taxes back to the people he's saying he's giving them to his brother but really he's just hoarding all the wealth so what you're saying he's is he's donald trump money. he's just taking it to take it he's so the... i want him above hook. okay and then as soon as like as soon as like people like can't pay because he's just raising it past income level he puts you in jail, which I think is incredibly immoral. Yeah. You have to be poor. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you put him that high. I was actually going to put him just below Krill DeVille above Shere Khan, but I think I totally get where you're coming from, Sam. Uh, because you're right. Like, he really... Like, I guess we don't really notice it as much, but even if you're looking... Uh, a lot of the shops and stuff are closed down for tax auctions, tax sales, that kind of stuff. Uh, so really, this place has become in total squalor because of him. Yeah, like, they can't support anything anymore, and soon, like, he won't have anything to take because he's literally taken everything to the point where they can't rebuild to pay taxes again. And so gets the sheriff not had to steal from the poor, as well as the church. Yeah, and poor. Um, he's stealing the welfare system as it existed at the time. Mm-hmm. He's taking that away too. Yeah, you I can't tax the church. There's literally there's laws against you can't tax the church. That's mm-hmm. why they had so much power. Yeah, <laughs> the church was actually the ones who kind of forced taxation. Yeah, so yeah. he's literally going against the laws of the land to steal more money. Yeah. And as soon as, like, Robin Hood, like, comes in the picture, he decides to, like, triple the taxes on everybody. Uh, okay, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's going to be years of work with King Richard trying to rebuild infrastructure in England itself. Because he's, he's printed out of England. So he's living in his own town, not just Nottingham. Yeah. 
Okay, I th- you have you have changed my mind. I would, I think, above hook below the Nazis because it's it's funny as we look at the Nazis as like the fifth the, from bread knobs and broomsticks in that for sure. But when you see Nazis, I'm like, oh, they're like the worst. They should be like number one and everything. But uh, wait, wait, did he say? I forgot. It was during like the second chase scene. Did what's his face the sheriff? Did he say Nazi or did he say something else? No, they sent something else. Because I, cause I heard Nazi. Oh, jeez. Is that just me? <laughs> that might oh, just be you. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. I don't, I don't think they did, but I, maybe I should go back and like, check out that fight, or the chase scene again to see what he says. <laughs> but you've definitely changed my mind, Sam. I think above hook, below Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never underestimate my hatred for politicians. <laughs> I can concede to that because that's actually very topical to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. But it's still just annoying. He's still just annoying. Yes. And I, well, he was built that way too, right? Uh, yeah. Because for me, for villains, I also like take into entertainment value, not just like what they're doing. Like if mm-hmm. they're entertaining, like Maleficent, I love them, put them high. But you know, if they're annoying, it's like, ugh. Yeah, totally fair. So the next thing we will be talking about is the main character. So in number one, we have Cinderella. Two is Lady. Three, uh, Mrs. Price. Four is Mary Poppins. Five, the Cat Pack. Six, Mr. Toad. Seven, Alice. Eight, Tarzan. Sorry, Taryn. I keep seeing a Z there, even though that is an R. Sorry. Nine is Bambi. Ten is Snow White. Eleven is Wendy. Twelve, the Dalmatian Fam Jam. 13, Mowgli, 14, Arthur, 15, Aurora, 16, Dumbo, 17, Pinocchio, and 18, Ichabob. Where do we want to put Robin Hood? Let's start with you, Ryan. I'm high. Yeah, or actually, wait, we start with you last time. Let's start with you, Sam. Where would you want to put Robin Hood on this list? I would also put him high, and I thought about this. So the way we've scored main characters in the past is like are they a character or are they just like a self-insert that doesn't change? And I think Robin technically changes a little bit, but it's all kind of like off screen. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, made the decision to like give up his title and start, you know, helping the poor, but we don't see that. We see him doing it. Yeah. Um, Like we're already starting with that. And then the only real change in his character is getting over himself and talking to Maid Marian and getting married. Yeah. So arguably, he, I like him, and he's likable. So I would put him above Mary Poppins under Miss Price. So number four, because Miss Price does change over the course of her story, and she is very likable, and just like Lady and Cinderella. So I think I would put him above Mary Poppins. Yeah, I was. I would put him there too. But I was having the thing is like where I like him more than Lady, but I don't like him more than Miss Price. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was going to say above Lady, below yeah. Cinderella. Um, I think you're right. I think he doesn't have that same kind of hero's arc because he kind of already has had that before we've seen him. Um, He's already I th- the hero. Yeah, and I think what I like about him is that he he does like these outfits and he, like, he, I mean, he's got hubris too, right? He goes to the archery competition. Um, and he, But he's just a fun character to be around, right? Uh, there's never a moment in this where I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't really... The, what this character is doing is boring or anything like that. So from like a fun perspective, I was like, yep, yeah, I think 
above Lady, but I totally get uh, putting it below Mrs. Price because there isn't much character growth throughout the uh, movie itself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. All right, so Robin will be in place number f- four. The next thing we have to talk about is the music. So in number one, we have Cinderella. Two is Pinocchio. Three is Snow White. Four, the Aristocats. Five, Mary Poppins. Six, the Jungle Book. Seven, Ben Knobs and Broomsticks. Eight, Lady and the Tramp. Nine, Alice Wonderland. Ten, Sleeping Beauty. Eleven, 101 Dalmatians. Twelve, Ichabob Crane and Mr. Toad. Thirteen, Sword in the Stone. Fourteen, Dumbo. Fifteen, Peter Pan. And sixteen, Bambi. So, for you me, where would I put the music here? I would honestly put this number two. Um, I think that it had a good both nostalgia lyrical, bias. Well, nostalgia bias, but also it had good mix between a really good score outside of the uh, music, I guess, or like the sung music, but also had like really good sung music. It was all catchy. It also had different genres within it too, which I liked. Uh, it went kind of from folk style to a little bit of country-ish kind of style too. Um, so I really liked that kind of diversity in there, but it also is my favorite movie and my favorite music uh, until the Renaissance. So I kind of have that uh, that bias as well. So I'd love to hear where you guys want to put it. I was actually going to put it in the same place. Oh. Um, and for similar reasons, like, I just think it has the re-listenability, because I remember you were saying that, Ben, that you were, like, listening to the soundtrack just on its own, and I did that a little, too. I think that's just something I've developed, though, now, because I remember I've been doing that since Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) Um, just because that's, Muppet Christmas Carol has, like, an amazing soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, and... I think it's just like they have like a wealth of good songs. Like I don't dislike any of the songs, which is the case for some of these movies. Yeah. So I I would put it above Pinocchio. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? Uh, Where would you put it? I don't. I'm the opposite of you guys. I don't really like it that much, but I don't hate it. It's like one of those. that's like objectively, it's good, but it's not my taste kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's totally fair. I, I would have put it, honestly, between Bitnops and Broomsticks and Lady and the Tram. Yeah, I get that. I think, especially because, like like I said, it does have a bunch of different genres, and it is very that folk style that doesn't isn't for everybody, right? Whereas, like, you look at something like Jungle Book, where it's, like, all upbeat music all the time, uh, which kind of gets you... Uh, moving around a little this is more of like that subtle kind of music but that's not to say i don't like folk it's just mm-hmm. i don't know i just this music just didn't stick with me and that's totally fair yeah. um I also i am just like i like folk music and country yeah. mm-hmm. i like folk music too folklore is my favorite <laughs> taylor swift album no i'm not saying like <laughs> i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying like that's probably why i like this soundtrack mm-hmm. so much no it it's fits in your taste yeah like and that's kind of the the thing about the music, and that's also why it's good to have three of us, so that we can make the decision. So, uh, because we all have, like, taste in music is so subjective, right? 
And uh, mm-hmm. it's always nice to see like where people kind of rank things. So the last thing, of course, is the movie itself. In number one, we have Cinderella. Two is Aristocats. Three, The Lady and the Tramp. Four, 101 Dalmatians. Five, Snow White. Six, Alice in Wonderland. Seven, Ben Knobs and Broomsticks. Eight, Sleeping Beauty. Nine, The Jungle Book. Ten, The Black Cauldron. Eleven, Sword in the Stone. Twelve, Mary Poppins. Thirteen, Adventure Ichabob Crane and Mr. Toad. Fourteen, Pinocchio. Fifteen, Dumbo. 16, Peter Pan, and 17, Bambi. Let's jump over to... It's the only bad part about only having three of us is that we have four categories. Um, Ryan, why don't you uh, start us off on this uh, with an initial placement? Uh, I don't know, because, like, I like this movie, but then there's a lot of movies on this list I really like, too. Um... I like it more than 100 Maldomations. So yeah, I like, put it between Lady and the Tramp and 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. How about you, Sam? I was going to put it under 101 Dalmatians. Um, but I think you you two know why. Cause mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I had two birthdays 101 Dalmatians themed. Yep. And <laughs> I didn't have any birthdays themed Robin Hood. Which is so ridiculous considering how obsessed I was with it. Fair. And it's never too late. Yeah. <laughs> never too late to get all your friends to dress up in uh, animal costumes and come play Robin Hood. Oh my god, Sam, we should totally do that. Uh, maybe next birthday. <laughs> We're going on a road trip. Oh, nice. Who says we can dress like Robin Hood on the road trip? Oh, uh, yeah. That'd be hilarious. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, personally, I think it's funny because I think a lot of people after how much like I've been putting up this movie would say I put it number one. I would actually put it I, I would have put it number two. So above Aristocrats, but still below Cinderella. I think Good. going through Cinderella these stays there. Yeah, going through these, I think Cinderella has really become one of my favorite Disney movies, uh, which is really surprising to me, yeah. actually. Uh, but it really has like everything that you want from Disney and is obviously why it is such a big part of Disney's uh, even current uh, offerings like the the is castle, her castle the one yes. in the logo it is mm-hmm. come on yeah and, and it's uh, like the biggest part of like the park and stuff too like it really is yeah. it is disney uh so i and think it's I going to take a lot to our... move that yeah yeah can i share to our listeners my idea in the chat about cinderella yes that you were into if you guys well i think um either i don't know if i forget what month it came out the original Cinderella, but we're thinking of having a Cinderella month because Disney Plus has a bunch of different adaptations of uh, the story of Cinderella. So I thought it would be cool if we could pick out all the Cinderella movies and have a whole month of that. Mm-hmm. My favorite being like Ever After um, is probably one of my definitive rank of that. The Whitney Houston one, amazing. And then there's also the sequels, um, uh, Cinderella two yeah, and Cinderella and then three. Exactly. And then there's also a Cinderella story mm-hmm. with Hilary Duff, yep. which is camp. There's five of them. And there's one with uh, Selena Gomez as well, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. The only two ones worth watching, though, are the first two. Don't yeah. watch. The third one is wildly, if that's the one where they have like the India theme, that's one's wildly racist. Oh, geez. And then the other two are like Christmas themed. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah. I th- Wait, but I think that's really? a great idea. The Cinderella story. So it's like a bunch of white people, and then they have like an Indian themed prom. Oh. Or it's like, it's supposed to be like Aladdin, but then it's like 
they use India. But I mean, okay, was it Arabian Nights? Like, the, you know, I think Aladdin took place. So, there, there's different, but yeah, you know what I mean? It's like racist. But yeah, Arabian Nights actually in Aladdin, the we'll get into this more, but the original story, he wasn't actually from the area where they set the mm-hmm. movie. He was actually like Chinese, I think. No, I think, oh. I think there's versions in India and in China. So, you know, it's one of those, the story probably yeah, travels. He was in the Middle East, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think based on our three things, it will end up in position number four, just below Lady and the Tramp, just above 101 Dalmatians, which I think is a good place for it. I think yeah. Lady and the Tramp was a... A definitely a dark horse in my mind when we were doing this and it'll be interesting where we all these end up after we get to the uh renaissance because we are only actually seven movies away from the disney's renaissance uh, at which point we will be clearing this list doing a definitive list of these movies and then starting our next set of rankings so that it doesn't get to like down to what 60 or 70 movies on this list. The Renaissance is going to throw a wrench in everything anyway. Yes, so we're going to uh, start a new list uh, when we get to that point. But we will have a wrap-up episode on this as well. Uh, So that'll be, I think, eight episodes from now, or seven episodes from now, and uh, we will have a definitive list, and I'll talk to you guys offline about how we will uh, rank those, or how we'll get our rankings for those uh, based on uh, a number system. Alright, well... Now that the ranking is done, I think we are about time to wrap up, except we have a a question of the day. And I'm bringing you the question this week, and it is, when you were little, what was a movie that you wore out? So this was actually mine. So Robin Hood, we watched agnosium as my mom would put it uh and we watched it so much and we put in the rewinder so many times and things that it was it stopped working uh and they had to buy us a new copy of it because we loved it that much mm. now sam i think you might have talked about yours before but do you want to jump into yours next sure uh i and my sister really liked watching on vhs uh Aladdin to the point where I don't really know how VHS tapes work actually um, because they weren't really a thing for very long um, when I was a kid (laughs) Uh, but like I was very very young when this happened and I guess we didn't rewind it right or something but it just spat the tape out when we put it in to play it Mm -hmm. like unwound itself and like spat it out Yeah. Um, and then I think one that we watched probably even more but you wouldn't tell because it was a dvd so you couldn't watch it until it wore out was atlantis oh such a good movie i can't wait till we get there yeah it's one of my favorites honestly yeah i love atlantis that and treasure treasure planet oh those are going to be great ones to talk about talk about a great score is treasure planet yeah I don't think you get it. Well, maybe Tarzan has a slightly better score, but uh, oh, yeah. we'll get to that when it comes. But, oh my gosh. Like, it's going to be hard ranking this next set because though I did... We're going to gr- get into fights. Yeah, though we did grow up with these movies, I think those were the ones that we actually grew up with, like, in our lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And Ryan, do you have a movie as well that you uh, watched so much as a kid that you uh, wore out, quote unquote? Mine was Thumbelina. <gasps> oh, that's such a good one. Good. Mine was Thumbelina, then um, Spirited Away. Oh, that's so, another great like, one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Funny. Uh, into- oh. Funny story about Spirited Away. I actually only saw it for the first time two years ago. Really? Yeah. So I was never really big into, um, like, my neighbor Totoro or any of those ones uh, until I was in my 30s. Uh, and then Have I watched Castle them. Have you seen in the Sky? Yes, so good. Have you seen Castle in the Sky, Sam? No, not yet. Okay. Do you have HBO Max? Yeah. Okay. Watch Castle in the Sky. Mm-hmm. I need it's to Our Flag means first. <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> I need to finish Our Flag Means Death first. Oh, uh, yeah. But Castle in the Sky is such a good movie i think it would totally lean into your like taste into your palette completely but yeah no back, back to the question spirited away and i'm curious though just like as an aside like how does it hold up as an adult because when i watch it now i have a nostalgia bias amazing you know? uh it was such an incredible experience to, like watch and i know like people say that about all kinds of stuff but like it was such a it's such a deep movie and also such yeah. a messed up movie, really, that it was it was like, okay, like I don't think I would have liked this as a kid, but as an adult I can appreciate it and I loved it. Love it. Uh, yeah, and actually funny movie. funny enough, oh. technically all those movies are uh quote unquote Disney. <laughs> they're all they're all uh published in the States by Disney, so maybe we'll put that as a uh, uh add on eventually uh for our the show as well. Oh, I don't know how much uh, Studio Ghibli Sam has watched, but it'd be fun to see her first reactions if she hasn't watched some of them. Uh, I have ha- seen quite a few of them. My okay, favorite okay. is still Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, okay. I think mine is, um, my favorite is probably Delivery. Delivery. Yeah, so service, Studio yeah. Ghibli, we have to be really careful with them because they're actually much more strict with their copyright than most companies. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about it, though, let's talk about yeah, it. It's, it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if we post about it, we have to be careful about what we post because they can take stuff down. Yes, yeah. Okay, okay. Awesome. Well, that is it for us today. Uh, thank you guys for joining. But before we end, I we like to plug some of our own stuff. And uh, I'd like to start with you, Sam. How are things going with the Digital Zoo? Uh, good. We're still figuring out. Well, it's me. <laughs> I'm still figuring out our season for this year. Unfortunately, work has gotten the better of me. Um, so it is still slow going. And as I announced, like last episode, um, and in my other podcast, which is called Digital Sue, uh, which is like a food anthropology podcast, I am workshopping a cookbook. And I would love if someone wants to volunteer. I've worked in a lot of my friends and family to volunteer to test recipes. If you're interested, you can email me at digital sue, no spaces, no capitals at gmail.com. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Are you getting up to anything? I know that you were on a little bit of a break. Yeah, no, nothing on the forecast right now, but hopefully something will come to mind soon. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, The same is about for me. I actually am taking a video game detox right now. 
uh, I found that I was using it as a crutch uh, for a lot of things, and it was becoming a little bit more addicted than I should have been to gaming. So I have decided to take a step back from that, so I won't be streaming or anything like that. But I am using this time to actually plan out uh, my podcast that I want to do, including one called Binge Mode, that I'm going to be binging... uh, mostly cartoon shows with a friend, and we'll be talking about them. Everything from The Owl House to Gravity Falls to um, Has Been Hotel. Uh, if you guys have never seen that, you should definitely look it up. You should do um, Infinity Train. Yep. I think my friend wants to do that one. That's a great show. Oh, such a good show. Uh, As well as things like uh, the Harley Quinn show, which are a little more adult cartoon uh, kind of esque. But so we're getting those kind of things together. Uh, We started the Picard cast back up, and those episodes will be launching soon. Uh, So we are doing uh, two episodes. of the show for one episode of the podcast and we're just talking about the new season of star trek picard um yeah so i'm just we're i'm using this extra time that i have to start getting these projects on the go and getting real plans in place so look out for that in probably about a month i'll start uh getting some of that content out which i'm very excited about other than that again i'd like to thank the hosts both you, uh, Sam and Ryan, for joining me today. It was so much fun talking about Robin Hood. I might end up watching this movie again tonight <laughs> before I go to bed because I had so much fun with it again. Uh, and I'd like to thank all of our audience for tuning in and listening to us. And we will see you in a couple weeks with... Oh, geez. What is our next one? I think it is... It's not Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Sorry, I should have had this popped up already. Let's pull up the calendar. The next one is, ooh, is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is next. So that oh, I'm is excited. that is exciting. I don't think I've actually seen the original uh, Winnie the Pooh animated movie, so I it'll be pretty fun. I've watched before. <laughs> so I'm very excited for this one, and I hope you guys are too. And we look forward to talking about it in a couple weeks. Until then, have a great have a great day. Bye. Bye.